0: has logged on.
1: <laughs> Good morning. Good
0: morning.
2: What are, you, what are you all up to?
1: Uh just working on the Giallo shit.
0: Cause that will finally be
1: on sale today.
0: Well, yeah, we got tightrope in there.
1: Yeah, I had to, <laughs> and then things changed, but that's okay. <laughs>
0: Damn, it's going to be the shit-talking show.
1: <laughs> and also, you know, lizard and woman skin, that Italian print's going to be sick, so we'll still have fun.
2: <laughs> this is the, the Malpaso production tightrope. That's right. <laughs> yeah, um, I have some, uh I might have some promotional shit kicking around that I... Oh, really? Uh, yes. See if I can scratch <laughs> up for you. Thank you. Oh, yeah.
1: Hello.
3: What's up, guys?
1: Yo yo.
2: How's COVID?
3: Mm, really oh, sick. you have COVID? <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's like super mild, and I think I I think tomorrow I can revisit the wow. rest of the humans in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, wow. Well, thanks for the dedication. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's given me plenty of time to to stew about (laughs) the I didn't sound full at five in the morning when my (laughs) with my COVID brain worms that's what I did I started
1: digging back in at like one this morning and then I got so fired up that I had to calm down so I watched EO again and that solves all problems right are you gonna
0: send me the screener so I can watch this damn I
1: can't send the link I'm not supposed to have it send me just send it to me I can't I have to be good I've burned too many bridges. In we this all corner. know how those links
0: work. Just no. fire it over.
1: No, but you can tell it's important because it's Janice, but they didn't do their normal screeners. They just normally do lazy shit on Vimeo, but this one's like a screening room situation because they know everyone wants it.
0: I'll trade you the Babylon screener for the EO screener. <laughs> all right, well... <laughs> We're, we're gonna really dig in. I'm. I'm right Let's now. I'm, I'm kind of investigating all of uh, Cameron's Reply Guys here.
2: Oh, <laughs> I haven't even looked at those.
0: <laughs> but that's, that's why I'm gonna do it. See, oh, this yeah, is all. You don't have to. I'm the trash man here.
1: Yep. Well, welcome, welcome back, our guests. Um, they have been on the show before and decided to come back again
0: <laughs> for whatever reason. Thank you.
1: Rebecca and Cameron of the Chicago Film Society and also 1 million other jobs. <laughs> Welcome back.
2: How are you feeling? Great to be back. This is probably <laughs> the only podcast I'll ever appear on. That's so. <laughs> got me exclusive.
3: Yeah, yeah because you've been canceled. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'd like to say at the top of the show, I'll log off, turn the episode off now if this is going to be too much for you. But we are dealing with a canceled individual. <laughs> he has destroyed the once beautiful website known as Twitter with his bots. <laughs> and we're going to dig into that without completely uh, just giving away your Twitter. No one will know.
2: <laughs> no, it's okay
0: okay then good at stinky and raw <laughs> <laughs> you know him you love him you saw him blow up the timeline and which is i kind of stopped looking at it after that day but it's like damn people are still kind of losing it right now
3: yeah, it's I funny had be- oh. when john when you texted me about this i hadn't been on twitter in like weeks and i was like oh yeah that sounds fun I like those guys. Talk about. <laughs> I'll talk about this like whatever this poll is, <laughs> and yeah. then and then you you asked for Cameron's phone number because you were like, I'm not really on Twitter anymore, and I was like, Yeah, I think Cameron's been taking a break from Twitter too. Like, here's his phone number, and then literally like three hours later, I well, I logged on for the first time in a long time, and was like, Oh, not only has Cameron not failed to leave Twitter, but he's <laughs> he really put his foot in it. And also people seem to be losing their minds about this. Yeah. yeah. Sound cool.
2: Yeah. I'm you, happy that I got screamed at by a bunch of people and uh had had death wished upon me cuz it's it's really made me take another step back, which is wonderful for your mental health to uh, not be looking at social media constantly. It's true. Um, right? but yeah, it's uh you know, it sucks you in. Yeah, everyone has to have a
0: fucking opinion,
2: right? About about the movies about what movies are good (laughs) yeah
0: we failed as a society i've said it many times on the show but we failed as a society giving everyone a voice so (laughs) one of our biggest (laughs) missteps but before we get into the controversy uh rebecca you re-ranked the entire list and rebecca's gonna walk us through the whole list re-ranked
3: right well because i had covid i watched all of these movies twice <laughs> just to reevaluate them no uh i i mean thanks to you assholes i had not only did i have to look at this list but i but i like r- watched a little new york times infographic about its history oh, cool. which was not very interesting <laughs> um yeah i mean i don't know what to tell you I
0: do you love the list or do you hate the list?
3: <laughs> I guess my question about the list is why why what is its purpose? I would think the main thing would be like okay, it's it's a tradition now it's it's fun people like lists um yeah. but it seems like it's actually supposed to be taken quite seriously yeah. right also
1: well according to Paul, so Schrader, I would think right. <laughs> if well, it was
3: it's if it's supposed to be fun why isn't it weirder it's such a kind of it's like not a particularly exciting list of films i mean there are a lot of really incredible films on here that i love but if you're going to do this list they've been doing since 1952 yeah it's a bit uh it's a bit of a bore
0: Like, do we really need to be
3: told that Citizen Kane is a good movie? Still, people get it, right? Can we just eliminate? Like, can we just take some films out of the running just to mess it up a little bit?
0: Yeah, more Lady on Fire, please.
3: (laughs) Well, yeah, and that's the other thing that's weird about it is that there's there's the newer films. I would think you just wouldn't even vote on films that came out in like the past ten years because how could you assess something that's so new?
0: Agreed. Other than Twin Peaks, the return, I don't think you can solidify. I think Bertram Vanilla was <laughs> right. the only one who put that on there.
3: Uh, my other question is like, who are the people, right? 16, it's 1,600 people. That's a lot of people. I can probably name 15 critics and programmers that I like and respect, <laughs> but I definitely couldn't name 1,600.
0: yeah will do you want to just explain to our listeners who might have uh, been doing something better with their lives the past couple days what the sight and sound poll is
1: it's two lists it's a collection uh where film critics and some film programmers and some people who are just in the industry and liked by people get to vote and submit their own personal lists um of what they think are the greatest movies of all time. Uh, There's one list that is critics, and then there's one list that is directors. So there's a director's list as well that comes out at the same time. Um, Previously, it had been a a relatively small pool, I guess, I would say, for this sight and sound list. Um, When I was coming up, it was kind of just a great way when I first got into movies to be like, cool, all right, I got to see all of these and then we'll keep going, you know? And that's kind of always what it I think has been for a lot of people. Like, uh, I mean, it's really just the starter pack for like that fucking 1001 movies you must see before you die book. <laughs> it really is. Like, it's that kind of shit. But um, yeah, this year they really expanded and uh, invited a lot more people to, um, to be involved from what i can tell they kind of invited everyone who reached out that could prove that they write about film uh or have had a published article reviewing a movie in any way um cuz a lot right. of people yeah, a lot of people um jumped in on this one but yeah i don't know it's uh, it really expanded and now look where we are
0: look where we are <laughs> Um, it's also, I
1: think,
2: one thing. I mean, it's a hundred films now, and it used to be until 2012 only ten. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems like it's gone from being a like barometer of where the art and culture around film is based around, like you know, these ten selective texts, to being, like Will said, like the starter pack of uh, you know, here is here is your ready-made canon. Here's a hundred films. Go go nuts um and and as as far as like who is voting on it that's also from what i understand like it used to be like a chain of um recommendations like you would say like hey i know so and so like uh send them a ballot and and this year from what i read uh they actually like hired like contractors to like uh scout voters um yeah i mean i like the the one i mean i read a rumor i don't know (laughs) i don't we'll, we'll know in a few weeks i guess when they announce all the people who voted um but i'd write a rumor that like if you were on a film podcast like this one uh, that had over a certain number of listeners or subscribers that like um you automatically got an invitation regardless of the, the quality of your work
0: yeah well
3: hell,
0: well well you yeah. know what? i didn't want to vote anyway i don't even like movies <laughs>
3: So. Sorry, guys. Listenership has to be over five. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, we're at a strong seven.
0: That's right. Yeah, and all seven of
1: them day. buy tickets to our <laughs> screenings. <so. laughs>
0: the biggest percentage is overseas, so that's our biggest problem. But we we're killing it in the mainland provinces of China right now.
1: It's mostly Brazil. We have a weird following
0: in Brazil for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's all right. We we took a break this year and uh, I think whatever we were going to put would be a little too heavy for them.
1: I think also the way it works with all these people voting, I could be wrong, but this is just from what I've seen from acquaintances posting their own things they voted with is that you just submit 10, like everyone does 10 and
0: then it's all put together from that. God. I'm just dying to know what the blank check guys have put. I'm dying. <laughs> or any other cool film podcast out there.
1: Yeah, video archives. What what Quentin and Roger put on there. I
0: just, thought, I just can't sleep thinking about what Russ Meyer movie is gonna take number one.
1: <laughs> no,
3: he's sick I will than say I could. think the directors' lists are much more interesting just because oh, yeah. they, they don't have anything to prove, right? Yes. They're they're not trying to like I know most of them anyway yeah, yeah so it's like john carpenter can just put four howard hawks films on his list and like walk away
0: <laughs> playing nba 2k smoking <laughs>
3: right um but that to me is more just about like what what films inspire you as a filmmaker which is like that is at least an sort of an interesting topic at least if you're if you care about those filmmakers Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely
0: the best part about this thing. So let's talk about that real quick before we get into uh garish shampoo here. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really, I didn't get a good look at all of the director lists, but um, I like that the guy that did RRR put Forrest Gump on there. So
2: that's right. Hawaiian <laughs> <Lion> King. Yeah. <laughs> i
3: wanted to ask you guys have you this is an aside but have you seen the bollywood forrest gump
1: we haven't watched it yet we meant to for the that horrific month long thing we did but then we forgot
3: (laughs) don't forget i'm i'm really intrigued by it yeah i'm very excited
0: i wonder how more bumbling he's gonna be in that one
3: I just For love poor how poor long poor. after the fact that film is coming. It's like yeah. how many years in the making. <laughs> Somebody
1: was like, "You know what? I can't stop thinking about Forrest Gump. Let's do yeah.
0: it, It's time." Maybe Forrest Gump's really big in India. Oh, maybe. Let's take a little Google search, <laughs> Jim. <laughs> Forrest Gump, India. important uh, um, important stuff. You're right. That movie did come out this year, which is pretty funny.
3: Yeah.
0: Um all right, this is for later, but wait damn, that looks good. Just pay yeah, the screenshots
1: are it. delicious. Have any,
2: have any of you watched Forrest Gump recently?
0: Oh. We have.
2: Oh, you did? Okay.
0: Yeah. I revisited
2: done. it earlier this year and was um uh I can't lie; it's it's. I've been thinking about it more than most films I've watched. Like in the last six months. So. Hmm.
0: Well, might so have uh,
1: a whole episode about um, it. And yeah, we, can we talk about
2: Forrest Gump instead of the Satan? <laughs> <sound>? <laughs> <laughs> Anytime just, someone wants to jump
0: on the train, we are here. Technically, <laughs> for the past month, all we've been doing is talking about Forrest. <laughs>
2: Gump. Oh, great! All right, I'll have to go back and listen to the the backlog.
0: Yeah, there's an episode <laughs> called Forest Humps that uh, we we deal with the. The great behemoth known as as Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, you could kind of say Forrest Gump has uh, obsessed our minds. Yeah,
1: and that's that's how we got. That's why Dave Kerr came on because he was a he was a, a, a defender of seeing Forrest Gump a bit differently than most yeah, people. His, his
2: review's great. Yeah, um, but, I don't I don't buy it a hundred percent, but I can't lie that that movie it's got like a very. Um, I don't know. It's powerful and it's like on, own horrible way. <laughs> the Filmmaking is perfect. Like it's like one of the most, like, um, I don't know if I want, like what I want out of commercial cinema, like it does all that shit. And then, and then it's got like one of the like most hysterically awful scripts I've ever uh, seen.
0: Or one of the more um, hysterically poignant. Yeah. <laughs> you listen to Forrest Humps, we'll really uh, <laughs> tell you all about it. But uh, we we go uh, we pretty hard at reevaluating that movie. And I think uh, – and Will can tell you, because I uh, – Will just always ignored my texts about Forrest Gump for, like, a good year
3: yeah, I until
0: I told him to rewatch it in the guise of watching used cars. And now – I mean, it's fun, you know. It's a whole uh, – it's a filmmaker taking a shot at an entire boomer generation and basically – Boiling them down to a uh, neurodivergent man, <laughs> very <laughs> lucky, <laughs> and that's a pretty funny concept, I must say. We will okay. We'll avoid Forrest Gump right now. We've.
2: <laughs> well, well wait, be- you
1: should go listen to the episode.
2: Okay. All right. I'll, I'll listen is- to it and then I'll come back on and we can do it. Yeah. Movie. Yeah.
1: Because oh. we, we have really drank the Kool Aid, so. <laughs> I want to
3: rewatch it. I haven't seen it since I was 11, and I hated it when I like. What does an 11 year old hate about a movie? I don't even know. (laughs) Yeah, but I I don't. I haven't seen it since it came out.
1: Well, if you also want to dive
3: back in, it's very
1: watchable. Forrest Gump episodes forever.
0: It might be forced upon you at the music box soon. Yeah, I
3: was going to say, I might just wait until I yeah, can see good. whatever pristine 35 millimeter print right. we get of that movie because no one it's has beautiful. shown it since 1994. I mean,
2: whether or not, I don't know. It looks great. Yeah, Shot great.
0: Well, then, you know what? Maybe you join us on stage, Cameron, because I'm beeping this part for our listeners. Okay. But if uh, Mr. comes out like the plan is to talk about Forrest Gump. We'll get we'll just do a whole round of people who've just rewatched it and they can pose their questions to I okay.
2: <laughs> Mean I've gotten in a few
0: <laughs> That's ooh, good ooh, ooh. it's fine. Yes, yeah, warring <laughs> warring handles here on the uh, on the show. I like this. Very
2: nice. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want people to get the wrong impression of me.
0: <laughs> it's well, like it's the, fault. it's what happens on the internet. The internet made you this way. That's right. Well, (laughs) let's talk about what you've done. Um, (laughs) I I just want to say
3: the thing is, A, Cameron is the nicest person in real life. Mm -hmm. But also if you had just like made that statement that you made on Twitter at like a party, it would have just been like, let's have a, 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 you know, rousing conversation about this totally logical thing that you just said. But of course on Twitter, it's just like a... Um, you know explosion of yep. <laughs> irrelevant responses and people being mad about you know whatever it is that they're mad about yeah I, did, I you know whatever whatever you said was like i didn't find it like particularly upsetting in any way the one yeah, no, that really made our day
0: yeah my the, my favorite one that we have to talk about before we get into garish shampoo here we're gonna Let's see who did you take to task in a quote tweet? One of my favorite writers, Matthew Iglesias, oh. <laughs> one of the biggest pieces of shit in the entire world. <laughs> wow <laughs> oh he's a he's an awful dude. oh, yeah, otherwise he's a politics you know guy. Am. I mean
2: I don't in general don't think you know I don't I'm not judging people's taste outside of the film world like.
0: We're not judging his taste. We're judging but, his political affiliations. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, but I, I did think... I don't, I also was proud of myself for recognizing that he got the number wrong because we just set up a new Wi-Fi network, and so I had to look up the number, and uh, it's the only reason I knew because we named our, our Wi-Fi network after that film like two days before the shit hit the fan with it. Um, you know, I don't... I, whatever. John Dealman's not a film that, like, everybody needs to watch i don't but i do think it's like always funny when john deal i also should say you know we named our wi-fi network after because it it's like one of the best films ever made but yeah. uh people and who don't, don't care about movies don't need to fucking watch it like it's not you know yeah.
3: that's what really should be done with the best films ever made yeah. is <laughs> be used to name wi-fi networks
2: <laughs>
1: I, just, I, don't, I don't know I mean the ultimate like sign of a, respect
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> such a, like, niche world that, like, it's so I I don't know, I just don't understand, like, why, um, opinions need to be so rigid. Like, it's funny that Matthew Iglesias has never heard of John Gielman, of course he wouldn't have heard of it, but then, like, to go from there and, like, have to fucking litigate a thing that, um is on its face like totally stupid (laughs) like uh you know i i i think like the the purpose of a list like sight and sound is to like get people into movies and sure like i think that um you know there's a lot of great stuff on it and it's it probably serves its purpose just fine but um you know i think i think that all of us being uh old or older than you know like the current internet generation like uh, we all had this experience where like there's there's shit that you hear about and you can't find and like you have to track it down. And the reason that you know about it is because like critics have done their due diligence and like you know, s- sought these films out and 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 like acted as bolsters for them. Um, but like you look at this current list of films and it's it's all shit that's on streaming. It's you know, I think like 70 of the films or something were on the Criterion channel. Um Oof it feels like just like the possibilities are narrowing. And so like, you know, you go online and, and, and gently make fun of parasite or whatever. Don't even say it's bad, but call it lightweight. Like I did. And you have like 70 people fucking scream at you to kill yourself. It's like, okay, this is, uh, (laughs) you know, like I see that, that like the idea of like what taste is or that like taste can be this diverse thing, um, is like really, uh, gets, um, Like reduced on the internet. Like you don't, I don't know. It's distressing. That's, I feel like why I kind of like, uh, spiraled out, uh, like yelling at people because it's like the pushback on that, that like, you know, you can be a snob and, and say something, um, and have it just, you know, be part of a I guess the real reason I'm 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 uh uh confused by everything that happened is I have like five hundred followers and I don't know how like uh a thing that I expected like you know ten people to see like made it outside of my little bubble.
3: Um, I think you can probably pretty squarely blame Nick Pinkerton for a yeah, retweet because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is like a you know it's like uh fly trap for <laughs> yeah. Mads. Cinephiles. Yeah. <laughs> one of the money. only other
1: people who also will come back on our podcast. Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. Do you say one of the only other people who will come back? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. CFS
1: and Pinkerton. Um, <laughs>
3: I yeah. do also think it's like especially frustrating to watch the like hard defense of things that are very popular. Yeah, like uh, like they don't need they don't really need people to oh. be like fighting for them. But when you know people get really bent out of shape about you saying something about Parasite not being like an incredible <laughs> really? film, that was like a very successful like you know os- did it win it won an Oscar? Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, you know it's not exactly like you're great. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not
0: a, you know. I just, I I want to say that, Cameron, you have sullied the name of Parasite. I don't even dislike it. I think like like Yeah, it's a good idea. I don't
3: even dislike
0: it. I took my Blu-ray of it that I bought at Barnes & Noble and I put it in the trash.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I, I grew up reading Jonathan Rosenbaum and like running across these reviews where he just totally trashed films that I thought were good and it's like, you know, that didn't make me dislike those films like per se, but it did make me like curious about like, okay, what, what does this guy think is good? And like, yeah, finding out about like really weird stuff. Like, you know, it's not just like, oh, he trashed this and he likes this other thing that, you know, is like just as big or whatever, but that like, there's this sense of discovery and that like you need to like dig deeper um than than just what's like presented to you that i i find is like um uh shockingly like absent in a lot of um internet driven cinephilia now like given how like you know torrenting culture like you have access to everything like you're an internet cinephile like you can fucking get not any movie you want, but like way more than just what, what's on criterion channel and that, that like, you know, that stopping just there is, is, uh, I, I feels to me like a kind of like new and, and not so great development in, uh, film culture or repertory film culture specifically.
0: Um, uh, well, that's what it took me about what you said. Cause it does feel like we're entering this new era where it's not really, um, it's not really about the joy of discovering things so much. It's kind of about checking things off, yeah. you know? making sure that you saw the right canonical art house classics. It, in many ways, and it always has felt this way to me, it kind of feels like when things get that rigidly canonized, like they, they become, you almost like, like you could see, uh, I don't even know what's on the stupid list. Let's just say you see Rebel Without a Cause on there and you're like, okay, great. This this Nicholas Ray guy, but I think a lot of the times it's like, well, I didn't see um, Wind Across the Everglades on there. I didn't see like Bigger Than Life on there. So if I didn't see those on there, that m- probably not that good. Uh, it, it clearly doesn't have the the jouissance of Rebel Without a Cause. So in many ways, these lists I do feel just are going to be inherently limiting for the rest of time, but.
1: I don't know. It's just, it's so weird to me. And I've talked with lots of the only people who do come out (laughs) outside of you guys, bless you, to highs and lows shows often are really young people, which is fucking awesome. And we love it. But so often I start like talking movies with them and they talk about, they'll say something like, you know, my fate, one of my favorite filmmakers, but they've seen the one movie, you know, and they're not, and you start bringing up something else and they're excited. Those kids thankfully are open to it. But it's just so insane to me when people, you know, talk about, you know, it's the John's favorite forever hit movie on the Internet. But when people talk about possession and shit and you're like, oh, have you checked out these other, you know, 17 Zoloski <laughs> movies? And they're like, oh, shit, no, I haven't heard of those. And it's, just, it's just wild to me that there seems to be a new push to, yeah, like John said, they're not people aren't going any further than what they're told they have to see to check it off. It's weird. Well, it's a scary, talking.
0: scary journey into the unknown. I can't really blame anyone who like, isn't like, Oh, I I don't know. I don't really want to look at every Sam Fuller movie. I don't have the time. I don't even know where to find these movies, but like, I mean, I, I don't know where that can change, but I, I don't think things like sight and sound are, are very helpful. I think if anything, the, like we were saying earlier, the director's lists, I mean, that's what you should be that's what you be. yeah look at those. Those more yeah, fun. That's the, it's way safer there's actual imagination put into it yeah. I also
1: i think it's a weird thing too where it's like you said reading rosenbaum my favorite thing coming up about pauline kale who is my favorite then and still is is how often i disagreed with her
3: mm-hmm. you know
1: and like that was that's what was so exciting because i was like this person who is knows so much more than me and has seen so much more than me, completely disagrees with me to her core, <laughs> like on what I just watched and I was so excited about or in the other direction. And that was always just so exciting. And the the weird new bent to me, what people seem to be looking for in film criticism or just reading letterbox reviews, is just to find people who, you know, stamp and seal how they feel about it. And it's, I don't know, I just... I just don't get it because that's what's so much fun about art is when you're challenged you know like I don't I don't know I'll never understand not wanting to hear any differing opinions
3: maybe it's partly that people like don't know who to respect anymore because there's so Mm -hmm. many it's just like a you know glut of opinions online and and it's not like when Cameron and I were younger when we were all younger it's like you have Jonathan Rosenbaum and like a a few other people who are actively writing about film and it's sort of easy to to point to people that you like really you know you disagree with them but you respect their opinion whereas now it's just like any fucking yahoo is writing about film and Yeah. yeah maybe it sort of dilutes the it dilutes the pool in the sense that like, yeah, you don't really know who to take seriously anymore. So it's easy to be like, oh, everybody's opinion is, is suspect, I guess.
0: It's suspect. And then it forces people, I think, to then trust only things like Criterion or they trust distributors. Like they'll trust A24. They'll, they'll, they'll just give their money to an A24 because they know a few have been good. And so it, you know, I mean, It's, and I think Criterion especially is a big, I mean, it does so much good. It it shows a lot of great movies on there, but I mean, I think still a lot of people like look at that as like they don't really understand why the rights to a film appears on Criterion at that certain time. It's not like the great gods of film culture and criticism are sitting around saying, finally, uh, Beasts of No Nation is now part of. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um,
2: I, I also, I'm not, I, not to, to slag on Janice because they're, they're great partners for us, but, um, we love
0: Janice, love Janice. <laughs> uh,
2: um, you know, we've got a lot of movies from them, uh, but Eric, Eric Marsh has like shared, he's very fond of sharing, uh, this, this excerpt on Twitter from a book about, um, you know, the, the kind of like founding of, uh, American independent cinema and, um, uh, you know the sort of explosion of of low budget American films that happened like towards the end of the '60s, and and um, you know, Janus basically got their start like uh, um, trying to monopolize repertory film culture. You know, and it's it's like building a catalog based around like a certain like set of directors, and then hyping those directors up, um, and then limiting limiting the availability to show films by them, um, like you know, bumping, bumping up the, the right cost of rights, that kind of shit, um, offering packages, uh, exclusively versus like individual films, um, which then like drives theaters to show a narrower set of, of, uh, what's, what's out there. Um, so it's, I don't know, there's, there's, there's like always like film history is, is, uh, it's not just like, it doesn't just belong to cinephiles, you know, it's, it's like, ah, op- works and, and people have access to it like at the behest of, of rights holders, at the behest of, of institutions that um, like decide to show something or not show something. Uh, and I think like, you know, when these conversations of taste come up, like uh, a big part of what's missing is like how things like, you know, rights availability uh, shapes like broader, broader film culture tastes. You know, it it is like very striking that that only shit that's on streaming made the Sight and Sound list this year because like that's what people have access to, and um, you know, it's not a it's not cinephiles' fault that they have a hard time seeing like the Mother and the Horror or seeing um, God I don't even know
0: yeah it's unavailable these days. But well, shout out to mentioning Nick Pinkerton earlier. Mother and the Horror will now have a New life, oh, yeah. Janice got so the whole yeah, I know, the whole exactly, yeah, exactly. Jan- yeah, Janice is putting it out now,
2: so. now. It'll be on the site <laughs> and sound list another 10 years. Or so, you know. uh,
0: I live for a world where Mother and the Horror is on a site and sound list, watching people try to break that movie down. These idiots on Twitter <laughs> trying to like decide, like,
1: well, get ready. It's
0: I mean, so it was that, I feel like... it just it fell <laughs> out this year because
2: you know, it's people people don't have the experience of finding the, the double VHS in a thrift store or
0: whatever. And,
2: yeah, I mean, their mind's blown at home.
0: Was there Goddard on the list? I'm sure there was 60s um, Godard, right? Yeah, yeah and a I think Monty
2: was on there.
0: Well, this is what Will and I we were talking about on stage at our last show because it was like we took a, we asked the audience like does anyone has anyone seen any Goddard movie out of the 1960s? I think there was maybe other than you all, there was uh, <laughs> probably like two hands or something like that and most people that talked to us afterward had never watched any of that and it's very funny that such a canonical guy like a guy whose images from his movies I don't know grace certain things like the Chicago International Film Festivals posters and stuff like that who will not allow him to show his latest movie there. It's very interesting how we've created these um, these categories for artists that don't really allow the entire breadth of their work to be seen it, it it's like what we're all saying it's just focus on band of outsiders watch them do that little dance it's very cute and then you move on and then you're like well i guess i'll check out you know scrolls list kurosawa bergman the it doesn't seem like the best way to to move through film culture but
3: i wonder though is this like i keep thinking back to how i watched films as a I guess a teenager because that's sort of the beginning of like when I was getting into films and, you know, I was like a basic cable. just like watching, I watched any film that was on basic cable, which is talk about like no curation, (laughs) you know, that's all just based on whatever, you know, all right. It's all right stuff. It has nothing to do with anybody like choosing films based on whether or not they're good. But I think, You know, and then on top of that, there was a little bit of, like, okay, some cool kid I know has, like, a VHS of this, and my brothers are really into David Lynch, so, like, I'm watching some of that stuff. But it does seem like maybe it would be a little bit better to be a young person now where you just have, you're kind of stuck in this, like, curated criteria and stuff, but at least the films are better. I don't know. I also think my barometer is, like, way off in a way that's really good because I grew up watching, like... Prince of Thieves five times and Summer School and all these just kind of like not movies that will never in a million years make anybody's top 100 lists of greatest films of all time. But it just made me like I kind of everything felt sort of equal in a way to me that like you could find a masterpiece in something that was considered to be some kind of like schlocky corporate shit, you know, Um, and that doesn't happen as much now I think I think you have kind of two camps of people which is like people that are watching criterion stuff and everything's really highbrow and then people that are just like watching Marvel movies and they don't
0: they yeah, don't care well, I think, about I think I that know it's just
3: a really, different it's a very different landscape I don't know if it's better or worse
2: yeah the the privileging of masterpieces I also think is a, is a problem that like we only want movies that are masterpieces and we only want to talk about that because that's you know, it's, and I, I, I think that this is part of like the whole corporatized, like click-based film culture that we were suffering through currently, which is that like saying something, you know, has its, has its merits and, um, you know, does interesting things, uh, and is not in my sight and sound top 10 is like not an exciting thing. It's not what, uh, draws the eyeballs, but, everything is a, um, you know, either misunderstood masterpiece, waiting uh, reappraisal or, you know, a key text of the, the 21st century or whatever, like that's uh, a lot more exciting. And um, and also, I think um, a lot more stifling in terms of like, you know, discovery or um, developing taste or or
0: value in art yeah it almost has to fall into now the new genre of the serious masterpiece because it's like you're telling me portrait of a lady of fire will make it but if we're concerned about getting women filmmakers on there which is a valid concern where's clueless on there
3: you we're know where I'm, is the Love which, the greatest film made right. in the past you know yeah, there's a years. lot of examples <laughs> of just yeah.
0: something like yeah. clueless it's like Well, that movie is great. It's endured over time. That seems like that would probably make a lot more sense on a list like this. But, I mean, that movie will never be thought of that way. It's popular entertainment.
3: Right. I think anything that's overtly entertaining is, like, really in trouble on lists like that. I mean, with with some exception, like, there's some comedies. There's, like, there's a smattering of genre films, but it's pretty small compared to everything else.
0: Yeah, it's like, of course, some like it hot's going to be on there. Let me just read a couple of quotes here from a Twitter user named at (laughs) Stinky and Rotten. So, one, sight and sound voters doing admirable work dismantling the canon, the act of elevating contemporary lightweights like Lady on Fire, Parasite, etc., is a beautiful object lesson in how easily aggregate taste can be gamed by VC finance PR firms moonlighting as film distributors anyone want to comment on that because it seems like what we're circling the drain here with
2: yeah that's a lot of words man <laughs>
0: yeah i think rebecca just got sicker
3: <laughs> i had mute the sounds of me gagging off screen <laughs>
0: But this is what made made you kind of pop off. And this is what I had showed Will, because I think it's a very apt and sharp way of uh, getting all this in less words, actually, than what we're doing right now. Because
2: that's yeah, also I mean, me being a shithead, too, like I'm just goofing off. But, you know, people. People took it like really seriously, which is uh, I don't know, like I, I've. You know, I was on here earlier talking about a ready player one, like, I don't know how many months ago, which is like a film I adore and a That's film right. that like has, yeah. uh, you know, like since since it premiered, just been like an a, a object of ridicule for like everybody in the universe. And like, you know, it's OK, cool. <laughs> like, you know, I don't I just I I I. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to step into the line of fire for Mr. Steven Spielberg. He's like doing well enough. Um you know Bong Joon-ho, he has he has like how many Oscars now? He doesn't need you to fucking like like fall on a landmine for him.
0: Yeah, he's going to keep those Oscars kissing for quite a while. <laughs>
2: But yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know, like, like pointing something out like that out. That's like, okay, it's a recent film. Um, it's a recent film that has a lot of money behind it, whether or not you think it's good. Like it's uh, coronation happening so quickly is like very obviously the result of like ad campaigns. And, yeah. you know, if you like it, that's great. Like it's, uh, there's a lot of people talking about it. A lot of you know, secondary content for you to, to consume around it, you know, it'll probably be available to you for the foreseeable future because it's a big time fucking property. So like, what's the fucking deal? Like, it's not, you know, it's not going anywhere. Like some, some random dude on the internet who, who writes like an asshole, like making, making fun of it. Like, very lightly, like calling it lightweight is not, um, the You end really of the did world. not dismantle
0: that movie. <laughs> you, you didn't made. do
2: anything.
0: Oh I God. like it. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, like, I know. Man, it is, I, don't
2: it even, I don't even dislike it. Yeah, this is but, the um, internet
0: now. These are the people on here because now yeah, internet, it just, everybody's a Marvel fan. They stay yeah. winning. The things that win, they take the biggest umbrage against you saying anything because, in many ways, you're attacking their very fragile sense of like movie taste because a lot of people on the internet who are part of these list culture are the people who are the checklist culture. They're the people trying to catch up. And I don't think that's the right way to be, you know, you should be someone who wants to discover, but the people who are the loudest are the ones who have a very, very thin grasp of film. I mean, film history. Like, I don't think that's arguable.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fine. I don't know. I also got more, not to, not to make myself a big, big victim here. You know, I, I think more people ended up agreeing with that take than, than disagreeing with it. It just is like surprising to me that, that, you know, you know, I'm, I'm doing this because I like uh, writing out my, my stupid thoughts online and posting them. It's like, you know, and then reading them back and, and smiling to myself. Um, but like, like I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't quite get where like the impulse comes to like get on the internet and 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 get mad about somebody uh, making fun of something you like because you know I get on the internet and the thing I like things I like are just you know either like not present or there's like four other like psychopaths who have never left the house like talking about them. It's yeah. not like you don't go out into the world and and find like, I don't know.
0: Well, they, they also have a lot on, these poor people on the internet have a lot on their shoulders when they're getting in these fights with you, because I love clicking to see who's doing that and then seeing what they were also getting mad at. So it's like, they're fighting with you. Then they're fighting about Kanye. Then they're (laughs) fighting about, you know, uh, Aubrey Plaza or something.
3: It's. I don't, I don't think we're going to get to the bottom of like why people are their worst selves no, on the I internet. You, on don't podcast, you don't think we're going to solve this? You don't
0: think we're going to get to the no, bottom I of that?
3: Don't, I don't think so. Well, <laughs> well, just, you know, we, uh, I'm sorry to say. We've three more like, hours we're, here.
2: <laughs> we mentioning about film culture here. Like I, I will also say that we, we have a, a really wonderful, um, sizable, supportive art, uh, audience at the the Chicago Film Society who has been... Uh, coming out to a lot of our shows this year and and really digging into a lot of difficult art, so I don't mean to be all, all doom and gloomy on here. Um,
0: we'll, we'll we'll get to the we'll get to the Chicago okay. Film Society. Okay. Right. <laughs> <Just, laughs> a little just, promo in there. Just hang on one um, second now. It's, we're just, gonna so, end it's just, just so fucking
1: it. different. Like I just can't yeah. the the difference. I think it's the same with every show I do at Music Box the difference from like when I stopped being on the internet and now like just how clear it is a different in real life. Cause even, there was a dude, I can't remember if I told you this, John, but there was a dude that came up um, after keep your Right up in Looney Tunes. And he was really upset. He was like, why did you guys have to be so shitty about 60s Godard? Um. And like you were really flippant about it. And like, I just don't know why you need to do that. Like, it's okay if you guys don't like them. And I was like, oh no, we love those movies too. Like, we're just having a little fun. Just laughing at like 60s Godard. And he was like, oh, so you guys like those movies? And I was like, yeah, no, yeah, we like them too. We're just having some fun trying to get people to watch a different one. And then he was fine at the end. And then he asked like for recommendations for more Godard shit. And I was like, that couldn't have happened on the internet. So on the internet, he would have been like, "Your mother is, you know, an yeah. evil and should die." Like, <laughs> yeah. go kill yourself. That would have been yeah. like, it would have happened so fast. But um, it gives me hope for the youths that at least it is... not on the internet. Things uh, there's still some hope.
0: I'd also it... like someone to tell us to kill ourselves after a show. <laughs> 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 so I would be like, let me shake your hand.
3: <laughs> um, we've been doing these all all staff programming meetings at the music box which has been a really interesting experience because it is like all staff meaning like anybody that works a concession stand or the bar anybody anybody in the theater can come to this meeting and we kind of just sit around and talk about what's coming up and then if they have suggestions for it's mostly midnight movies because that's where we like tend to have some open spots um but these are people that are not like programmers per se. Um, some of them, I think, would really like to do that. Um, and then some of them are just like, don't give a shit. But they like movies. But there is a lot of like, oh, this film's huge on Twitter. Like we should show it. Like that comes up really often. And I have to sit there and be like, I feel fucking ancient when you guys say stuff like that. <laughs> but like, I mean, in- I'm inclined to believe you. Like you know yeah. when they they wanted to show shrek as a midnight and i if i was in charge i would have been like no that sounds stupid that movie sucks yeah. <laughs> like i would have straight up in like no way yeah and of course it shocked. was huge like you know i had a ma- i mean i don't care for the film but like it had a massive turnout so that's how little i know about like what the kids are into um <laughs> but there is also a lot of like definitely kids pitching series that are like pulled full fully formed from like criterion like you know lists and stuff like that um but because it's in person you know we can have conversations where i'm like hey you know have you heard of how about this one like have you heard of this one or you know this film screens constantly i don't think we need to show that one and you know it's a it is a conversation you know instead of just like a bunch of people screaming at each other
0: Mm -hmm. you're doing good work over there
3: right it does feel a little bit like there are days when I feel like I'm in like fucking you know freshman year in college and I'm like that guy's gonna talk for the next 45 minutes even (laughs) though he has no idea what he's talking about (laughs) and there are no women here and the and sometimes there's a woman here but like she's definitely not gonna say anything (laughs) so but on the good days it's actually really fun and I feel like I'm learning things from them
0: yeah, you learn things about the true nature of Scooby-Doo.
3: Right, that actually was chosen by a salaried staff member.
0: I'm <laughs> not going to go into Scooby-Doo. We've had yeah, plenty of. I know you're, I know you're
3: mad about it, but
0: uh, we can move on from Scooby and the gang. Uh,
3: John, the
0: let me let me cha- let me just uh, channel my vitriol somewhere else here. So. This year, since we've been talking about this dang list and this dang John Dealman, which we're all agreeing, I just like to put, except Rebecca because she doesn't watch movies, we're all saying this is a good movie. It's It's a good movie. You heard it
3: here first. I, a woman, have not (laughs) seen John (laughs) Dealman. Oscar made exclusive. (laughs) woman has not seen john dealman um i have projected it before so i've seen little bits and pieces of it but i have not seen the film in its entirety
0: (laughs) yeah you've seen her make some food i've seen her yeah yeah well this uh this movie is good no one's gonna deny that but i guess the lot of people are wondering why it's up there i know uh will uh Brought me no pleasure to see Will sending me a screenshot of once again our favorite Paul Schrader just mouthing off. Also on Facebook, which is just like I'm so glad it's on Facebook because that's so funny. <laughs> um, that's I can't.
3: I just always think about that guy's kids and yeah. how they're just like, fucking dad. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, imagine, I
1: imagine their kids are like, Dad, why can't you be like Marty? All these kids <laughs> have to do is make fun of him about Marvel. It's like Can you stop? Can't
3: you be cuter, Dad?
0: Yeah, please be cuter. Well,
3: Schrader's not cute enough in no. this world. Dad,
0: stop no. saying woke, please. No, Schrader's definitely not cute enough. I think it was uh <laughs> what, what uh who's the what's the the actress from Cat People, the famous
1: Natasha, Natasha Kim- 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 Kim-
0: Kim. yeah, I read, I read a quote from her being like, You know, Paul, uh, I normally uh sleep with all the directors of my movie. You, unfortunately, it was very difficult. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is that a real quote?
0: <laughs> that's a real, it quote. Was,
2: I mean, I think that that's apocryphal actually. Like, yeah. I, I heard someone ask her about that, and she's like, I never said that, but yeah, the story was that he like showed up, like. With, like, after the movie, like, basically was like obsessed with her. And she was like, oh. Paul, I sleep with all my directors. You're the only one that's like bo- bothered me after the shoot was over. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Did you see the, I don't even know if this was fake or not, but someone posted a screenshot of a like later deleted John Lurie tweet thread about Paul, yes. the three times he met Paul Schrader. I sent that
1: too, and I said to John, I was like, this has to be a hundred percent true.
3: It was pretty funny. Well, well John say? Lurie
1: also loves to <laughs> name names, like, cause he gets himself in trouble a lot.
3: But that story the- is like, not like there, it's super funny and it's not like particular, <laughs> like I wouldn't feel like he should be like afraid to you know it's not it's no. not particularly like upsetting it was just like a funny description of like what it was like to hang out with Paul Schrader which is that there, like, that's when I started sending, a total like,
1: everybody yeah. who asked me like when people texted me about this list and asked what I thought I just started sending that screenshot of the, <laughs> those stories
0: oh Paul well he's been called a white supremacist now for uh, calling out John Dealman
2: Whatever. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily think that he's wrong, but I think that the outcome that John Dealman getting number one is so funny and so good, like, that I don't... <laughs> yeah. Like, who cares? Like, if it's, like... like I don't know. It's, like, like, Killer of Sheep is on there. Wanda's on there. Those are great films. You know, if it's, like, Wokeness that brought those films to people's, you know, attention to get them to vote for it, great. I had a fucking really hard time seeing... John Dielman, seeing Killer of Sheep, seeing Wanda, like, yeah, when I wanted to see those films. Yeah, not that long ago, really. Yeah. yeah. yeah
3: also, they're not, John Dielman is not new to the list, right? No. It's, like, no, been no, on the list familiar. for a long time. It just hasn't been in the top ten. Yeah,
1: anyway. I think it just jumped, like, 30 spots or something. Like, it was yeah.
3: I think eight, what whatever. bothers me about that, about... It doesn't bother me, but I kept thinking about this list in relation to like people actually going to the movies and like seeing stuff in the theater, which obviously like that's not possible for a lot of people. Like they live somewhere where like they don't have access to a place like the Gene Siskel or the music box that is showing stuff like this. And in that scenario, like it's great that they can go on Criterion and watch most of these films. But I think about a film like Sean Dealman, which again, I haven't seen. So I'm going to talk about it even though I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, from what I know of the film, like that's a, a very difficult film to watch at home. And part of the experience of films like that is this kind of like, you know, this like tug of, you know, coming back and forth and in and out of boredom and the struggle of like being in in a movie theater seat and like watching these really long films. And that is like a very special experience that I associate with whatever you want to call it slow cinema or you know
0: like there's
3: a bunch of films on this list that I think are like amazing examples of that but I just like what is it like to watch a movie like that at home is and I just fear that people a lot of people are going to watch something like tropical malady at home and be like this fucking sucks like it's boring and you know which is not you're not really doing justice to those types of films if you can't see them in a theater
0: as tragic as that would happen to one of the greatest films of all time, Tropical Malady, I mean, I can really see it happening with Jean Dielman because that's a 210-minute film where if you are not forced to kind of have that, like, sensory deprivation of the movie theater and also you don't have the option to maybe just check the running time and you're like, Whew, okay, 200 minutes left all right, here we go. Like it's, it, it, you know, it will rob the experience. Well, I don't know, maybe it won't, but I would imagine for a lot of viewers, I mean, I think viewer, the way we watch movies has changed, especially for being at home. So I, I, I guess you could see this maybe as some sort of corrective salve for like this list. Like here's a, just something to challenge you. I don't know. I mean, I don't really care. I don't care. That's on here. I think it's funny to watch everyone freak out. Uh, yeah. I think people are mostly finding I think people find it um I guess dishonest is maybe the way to put it. Like people feel it it feels forced rather than it feeling like, oh this is naturally this was gonna naturally rise to the top
3: at some point. Right. Um, and I think, I don't think it feels forced. I think portrait of a lady on fire feels forced. Yeah, like that, feels that to forced. me is what's like that to me feels like people are people sort of searching
0: for yeah. I mean, I,
2: people people really love that movie and I I I don't what feels I guess if there is like I don't know. I I think going back to our buddy Paul Schrader um I do I do you know he he made a comment about like sight and sound putting their thumb on the scale and I I don't think that that's necessarily off base. Um you know, I think that they're probably looking for for results because film is like, you know, flailing, um, obsolete medium that's like desperately trying to find its way into, into like, you know, cultural relevancy once again. Um, and by like seeking out, you know, the, the hippest in in film culture or like looking to like, you know, your pool of voters, um, and trying to like fill it out with, with, uh, the people who you think are, you know, have their, their finger on the pulse, like, That's where Portrait of a Lady on Fire comes in, I think. It's like not so much that, I don't know, maybe I I could be totally off base, but it's not so much that like, you know, people are voting for that because they want to like make a statement, but that sight and sound has like sought out the, you know, the Portrait of a Lady on Fire fans. Um, uh,
0: That's way more it, I think
2: you know and it's maybe not, not not even that film specifically but just you know like something that is well, gonna help, shit, um,
0: <laughs> yeah because yeah, it's like what moonlight get out portrait of a lady on fire parasite Parasite, yeah, parasite. All, all nominated for academy interest. awards yeah hey, yeah, yeah very winners. important to note yeah all uh r- was in the running for oscar gold one of the big things that the internet has kind of found out and i think like VFI have been a little more transparent about this is um, hiring as a quote unquote voting consultant for the 22, 2022 site and sound poll Garish Shambu. Am I saying that right? Garish? I think so. I remember him running uh, the online film journal Lola with uh, Adrian Martin, which was a, a really great okay. film site I don't really know much else about him other than that. I think he wrote for Senses of Cinema, Let's see, Art Forum, Sin East. Ooh, How We've Forgotten. The once called The Auteur's Notebook, now Movie Notebook. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's I have a hard copy of that that my dad mailed to me because they like interviewed him for something and he sent me the hard God. should i say this in a recording i don't know he doesn't awesome. uh, he just sent it to me and was like i don't know who any of these fucking people are do you want this <laughs> he just had like I mean, no idea, idea of cinema, who right? any of the other filmmakers were huh
2: this is senses of cinema right
3: no this was the move this is like the printed oh, okay. movie notebook which i think is a new thing they're doing that it's actually yeah. like a physical magazine yeah. and it's quite nice actually it's like mm-hmm. a big big thick thing but he like just had no idea what was going on. <laughs> yeah.
0: Shout out to Movie, by the way. We we love you. Keep coming through with money for us. Also, hey, uh,
3: shout out to Movie for interviewing my fucking dad, who has like never gotten any attention for his films mm-hmm. until very recently, and he is definitely like a a weirdo who says a lot of stuff that could get him in trouble on the internet. <laughs> movie,
1: movie. I feel like movie. No matter if I have a if I have a moment of eye roll. Throughout the history of Mubi, I've also had an equal moment of a genuine smile or excitement at the same time. They do, they do good.
0: They I have no good. issue with them. I love, I love them. <laughs> <John>. <laughs> I just like making fun of it when it was called the Odd Because damn, yeah. John, it's don't
1: awesome. worry. I promise you, no one from Mubi listens to this. Well, except that one guy. That one guy listens, but
0: but sure. Well, look, I'm gonna get real crazy on the beeps for this episode also shout
3: out rebecca's dad
2: great filmmaker we showed two of his films and they were excellent
3: yeah danny lion go google him all his movies are free on vimeo and none of them made the top 100 <laughs> <laughs> films. which
0: brings me to my biggest point where the hell is danny Lyon on this guy well they might know about him sooner than later
3: oh they better hurry be up
0: he's like 82 <laughs> well, he's about to break through the mainstream right
3: Oh yeah, right.
0: Should we Talk <laughs> about that, or should we- yeah, no. sure.
3: John is alluding to a, a a Hollywood feature film which is being made. Uh, I'm so sub- I have to say it's a fictionalized uh, film based on a book that my dad wrote called The Bike Riders.
0: Directed by.
3: Directed by uh, Jeff Nichols.
0: Mr. Damn. Midnight Special. That's right, Mr. Right. Mud.
3: <laughs> So you're right, my dad's about to hit it big.
0: <laughs> yeah, he probably yeah. I mean he, Tom Hardy's in it. Everyone loves Tom Hardy. He's Venom.
2: <laughs> Venom's true. true. <laughs> I wouldn't have been mad if Venom was on the site and sound. Yeah, loud. Venom's good as hell.
1: Yeah, I watched
3: Venom 2 on the airplane recently. I was did not it was not quite as good, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> can't win them all.
0: Yeah, I can't win them all. Andy. Also,
1: Stark. Tom Hardy has my favorite quote about uh, about sexuality ever. When someone asked him if he, if he was gay, he was like, "I'm an actor. Of course, I'm fucking gay. I've fucked men. <laughs> it's, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I love that, dude. Yeah, that's
0: pretty cool. Also, <laughs> oh. who we love, Gary Shambu. Let me finish my thought here. Jesus, uh, you're on
1: this, huh? Well, Get
0: because this is, uh, this is this was apparently where the big thrust of this came from where he claimed online, he said, this is a statement that accompanied his ballot and what he was hired for. He says, in the last decade, the single most powerful influence upon my cinephilia has been the ever-intensifying realization of central injustice in film culture, the marginalization of women in every single realm. Well, I know Will will disagree with that, but we're not here to do that right now. We're here to... Thank uh, you, John. (laughs) So, you know, obviously there was a mate. This guy was hired to do an overall, a, you know, a big overhaul to the list because his 2012 list had things like Belle de Jour, The Devil Probably, La Infance uh, Love Streams. You guys know that one. Marnie. That's a pretty – I like I like those. Those are some good choices. So now it has been replaced with uh, John Dealman, Born in Flames, Daughters of the Dust. All over me. The Gleam. Born in
2: Flames is on the list.
0: Yes. Really?
2: Uh, on, Gleam, like, the, yeah, really? Unlike the
0: the top hundred, this is his top ten. Oh, his, oh
2: this is his ballot. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Oh, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, this I feel like. Whoa. Okay, so Born in Flames, like making the list, seems like an impossibility, and and the reason, you know, I think that people, or at least like I am, you know, not not so enthused about like. Th- this sense of like trying to, to um uh you know this like the kind of like corrective I guess that like if he is like you know trying to put his thumb on the scale that's happening is that like you're not actually um getting like that history. Like you're not like you know there's not a sense of like the history of like black filmmaking from this list. There's not a sense of the history of like you know oh but
0: get out so very in bottom and,
2: yeah. <laughs> but you know it's like Killer of Sheep is a fantastic film, but like know you could also put like barbara mcculloch and or like ben caldwell or like you know zainabu irene davis or like all these other like la rebellion filmmakers like all like definitely have um you know like there's there's justifiable reason to like stick them on that list but like you know what you get instead is you get the two big films that are on streaming because that's like what's accessible And I I fear like what happens with a list like this, like calls for like historical correctives is it's not so much about like actually making this list about, you know, these histories because they're not really even present, but like about um, highlighting the films that are available uh, via like the biggest players in the game right now. You know, you could go on like women make films catalog and like hundreds of films, like fantastic films made by, people who are not white American males um, totally like uh, deserve a place on, on a list like the Sight and Sound one and will never make a list like that because like the people making those films are you know they're, they're toiling in the margins and uh, something like Sight and Sound is like always going to look away from the margins I guess like you're not I don't know there's only so much you can elevate uh,
0: yeah yeah well I mean, I guess, yeah, it helps when a movie like Daughters of the Dust, you know, no one was probably going to think about that movie for a while until Beyonce references it in a video. So that immediately moves it up in culture. The, in the cut's on there. Uh, you all, too bad you didn't uh, show, show that after. Wait,
3: bit. in the cut is on the... It's on the top 100.
0: This is no. this, gar- this guy, Garish. Is-
3: oh, I was like, there's he's no, getting us I was all like, I excited.
0: That so, all yeah. I'm pointing out, okay, <laughs> all I'm pointing out is that within 10 years, this guy's like, you know, it's it's just kind of spoken to this like thing he's talked about, about a corrective overhaul of the list. So, he's tried to put more women filmmakers on there, which is great. But it, it I think that's where people are starting to raise an eyebrow because it's more yes these are the ones that you're talking about but they're the ones that are the most canonized technically they're so available you can get these anywhere I mean yeah you know Well, and,
3: and they also like with rare exception they fit into the like narrative feature film category right which is right. like if I think there's a couple short there are two short films maybe on the actual hundred list There's a Maya Deren film. Oh, okay. And there's, I think, um, La Jetée is on there. Oh, yeah. But it's pretty limited. And, you know, I understand why they don't want to make it. It's not not a list of the top 100 experimental films, but they are, like, ignoring spaces where, like, women primarily have, like, been very active in making movies.
2: Documentary. documentary. Documentary exploitation film
3: right yeah i mean that's another it's like why aren't there any genre films on here like that is a space where like women and people of color have been making movies for a long time um and they don't like that would be like a sort of an exciting way i think to open up the list to be more diverse but they are still operating within like a very pretty narrow a narrow category um yes but also they have to get you know They have to get like regular folks to read this list and argue about it and be excited about it. And if they just start making it this like mess of like weird experimental films and you know seventies exploitation films, like probably we would love it, but I don't know about the rest of the world. At least toss
1: in a fucking handful, though. You know, like right, yeah. You're gonna if you're gonna. I'll even I'll soften on my anger about the contemporary films on the list if. You can throw in some other shit to balance it out a little bit. You know, right? Because if the argument was like, we'll get him in the door. It was fucking Parasite and get out (laughs) Portrait of a Lady on Fire. But we throw in some experimental stuff or some genre stuff or whatever. I could even, I can definitely put my anger to bed on that. But I don't know. It just feels, it just feels uh, lame and lazy on their part. They're just throwing in the towel is what the little bit felt like to me they just like, yeah, we're just getting clicks, the end, you know, like, and it's not all bad at the, you know, my, my aunt straight up, my aunt who does not care about any movies that do not star Denzel Washington, because she's a white Christian woman. And like most white Christian women, it's all about <laughs> Denzel all the time. Um, But she texted me about this and she says, what is this movie? Because she started reading movie shit when I moved to LA, because she thought it was so cool, and in her mind I was a movie star just because I lived there. <laughs> but you're a star, yeah, sure. She asked me about it. And she was like, "What is this movie?" You know. And so I told her a little about it, and she was like, "It sounds terrible, but should I try to watch it?" And I was <laughs> yeah. like, "I mean, wait, what was the movie
3: about Jean Duman?" She was "Oh,
1: okay, okay." About, yeah, the top. She wanted, she wanted to know
3: about number one. She Wanted oh.
1: about number one because okay. she kept seeing pictures. Yeah. She was like, "Who is this lady? What is this about?" And like. And I told her, and I told her how long it was, and I, you know, <laughs> talked a little bit about Michael Snow and, like, all this fucking shit with her. For her eyes just rolling like...
0: back in her head.
1: Oh, yeah. No, she, as always, she regretted reaching out to me. She was like, all right, I'm going to try it. And she did try it. And at the end, she told me she hated it, but it changed her world. That was the exact quote she texted me. She hated it, but it changed her world. And so, with that said, I'm all right. I'm, I'm ready to, you know, like I'm ready to, I'm ready to move on. I'll still be, you know, I'll still be mad when it comes up periodically and I wish it were better and I wish we, wish we lived in a different world, but my upper middle-class white Christian aunt watched John Dillman all the way through in one sitting. So take that one.
0: <laughs> that's pretty cool.
1: Good story. <laughs> Shout out to Shelley Lehman in Iowa City. <laughs> She's not listening, but... <laughs>
0: Do you want to do you want to you want to prop up Golden Eighties for some reason?
1: Whoa! Oh, I mean, well, Ackerman only made technically three musicals, um, and this one is probably my favorite uh, because we don't need to show the Eighties and do do too much deconstructionist humor after after our last show. But yeah, we're uh, if if all goes well and. You know, a certain someone replies to the email and says, "Yes, we'll bring some Ackerman back to back to Chicago pretty soon." She also, for if you if you are if you are meeting Ackerman for the first time through sight and sound, and you watch John Delmont, and you are like, "God damn, I loved that," but I'm exhausted. Do not worry she actually did not make a lot of really long movies and she made a lot of pop movies that are really funny. She made musicals that are really funny. Um, so we're going to show one of the ones that's a lot, a lot lighter. Um, but I would argue just as, just as worthwhile and just as much as you on. But with that said, what about you guys? What y'all got coming up?
0: Uh, I can tell oh,
1: you. A movie. <laughs> you both made the best faces. That we're showing. No, you
3: can't. <laughs> you can't. We're at the end of a season. We're like in the middle of working on next season, um, so you cannot tell the public what we're showing next because we it, don't know can yet. You say
0: <laughs> th- can you say some of them so I have something to be?
3: Do we have anything? All right, the, do we have anything actually confirmed, confirmed? Yeah, we have
2: two two that are a hundred percent booked.
3: I believe one of them is very high up on the Sight and Sound Top 100
2: yes. list. One of them, one of them, is a perennial top ten Sight and Sound film that's not in the top ten this year. Ooh. Um, mm. hmm. you tell oh, That one's booked. I don't know if I should say it though.
0: Right,
1: well, beep oh, we'll, it. we'll beep it. That's our favorite thing to. to I don't know. <laughs> can we trust you?
2: you, you oh can yeah, work. I promise. You if you look, if you look, right, look Yeah, great. we're going It's going uh, We have confirmed.
0: Oh. Uh. Good, and I'll be my lighter eyes lighter. out. Great. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um and then we're gonna do uh our we're, we have a screening of our um upcoming or they I guess I don't know through. <laughs> it's been so much work on these fucking restorations, but the the uh Ed Owens Edward Owens restorations um oh, okay. will be finally premiering in Chicago so.
1: Awesome. Do you want us to beep those also just so we have it yes. when we listen back?
0: uh i don't
3: i don't think you have to it won't it's we don't have a it wouldn't be till april i think yeah it's kind of towards the end but the first one yeah but in the (laughs) in the next couple weeks we should have a like revealed final season awesome for you all
0: well we do know you're you're finishing out a season on wednesday so that is going to be December 7th. This we
2: have, Wednesday. We have two. There's two weeks after that. Also. We have
3: three more, I think. Yeah. I'm hospital, to... Frederick Wiseman's Hospital is on Wednesday. Oh. If Any you're 20? listening to this show from Brazil, you probably are not going to make it to that. Uh, <laughs> Our, we have it.
1: one very enthusiastic.
3: <laughs> he might try. He's and very. And then what, we have a double feature of um, a 35 millimeter print of Tangerine. Which is not screened in Chicago. The film is screened in Chicago, but the print has not. Uh, on December twelfth. Oh. That's a double feature with All About My Mother.
1: Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Yeah.
3: yeah. Uh we have I don't think we've been like advertising the double feature very well, but we're hoping people are excited about come out for tangerine and maybe stay for the for All About My Mother, also that's on thirty five millimeter. To stick
1: around for a second feature.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: just just for our uh lighter in the head listeners, a double feature means wow.
3: you pay for
0: one. Yeah. Essentially
3: the other movie is free.
0: <laughs> there seems to be some confusion about what a double feature is these days. You buy one ticket and you get the whole you get another one. It's pretty cool. Yeah.
3: You can even buy one ticket for both films and then not stay for the second film. <laughs>
0: You do whatever you want you're
3: under no obligation to watch both films i believe for our screening you can actually buy tickets for for either you can buy individual tickets if you would like to
1: but, but you, you shouldn't because should. that's a fucking beautiful beautiful heart-wrenching banger of a double bill yes yeah. it is.
0: Yeah. yes you should definitely uh buy a bunch of tickets to that and then we have on the 14th of this month at NEIU, stay hungry Yes. We, love, we love that one A great great movie about swinging um and, and weightlifting so <laughs> my life so i i will be there for stay hungry with his notebook taking notes uh, yeah how to how to do this uh ethically <laughs> um, okay and then the next wednesday the 21st at neiu we have that's uh garson canan right canan Canon
3: yes that's ba- bachelor mother Yeah, our, bachelor
0: mother the director of my favorite uh, wife there's also bachelor mother
3: and, proceeded by an episode of the television show bachelor father which we, <laughs> we, we which we have in uh a collect our collection yeah. that we watched during like we used to do these kind of mystery screening nights at julian and becca's house where we would just watch stuff that had been donated or that we got recently and we were so enamored with this television episode, Bachelor Father, that we we programmed <laughs> Bachelor Mother, just, <laughs> which is also a great film. But we mm-hmm. re, really did want to program it so that we could also show Bachelor Father. So that's not why to be missed. The best. <laughs>
1: best. Pure. That's called pure programming.
2: If you ask me. <laughs> that's yeah. I'm still proud of us doing fireworks and fireworks because they had the same title.
3: That's This is how you really get people into seeing weird movies and new stuff, is that you lure them in with the known title, and then you also make them watch some short yeah. film they've never heard of.
0: Yes, that is how you do it.
3: <laughs> Programmers take notes.
0: Yeah, you can learn, you can learn something uh we, we want to thank our guests again cameron mm-hmm. rebecca you can catch them doing the chicago film society stuff at like we said any iu and the music box and new lineup coming up do you know when the lineup's going to be announced as soon as we book it <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know soon i guess soon. we're there moving
3: a little slow this this season but is the zine
0: coming back eventually hopefully
3: yeah you know it turns out it's hard to do a zine when you're also doing like a full schedule programming but we all got a little burnt out this year so we're actually doing slightly fewer screenings next season so hopefully that will result in maybe us doing some other exciting things that are not just showing movies to people because maybe we'll have a little more energy (laughs) yeah
2: We'll also, the zine was really easy to do when both me and Becca were unemployed and had a lot of time to do the layouts. Um, so maybe one of us or both of us will lose,
3: lose our their jobs. jobs. Lose
2: <laughs>
1: we'll,
0: <cross. laughs>
2: we'll be hopes and prayers.
1: Yes,
0: everyone can,
2: can cross their fingers for that.
0: Yeah. But if not, we'll be happier employed. So on that note, I will, we'll see you guys later. <laughs>
1: All right, love y'all. Thank you for joining us.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.